Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 4, Episode 21, we conclude our conversation with Jason Jasperson about creating safe spaces for imaginative Christians. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. And Tim, it feels like we're getting there. It feels like we're getting close to the end of another season, and it it kind of blows my mind a little bit that this is season four and we're hitting the home stretch. Yeah. I mean, the the number of people that we get to meet and talk to every single year is quite outstanding. And of course, we'll talk more about that in our end of season wrap up. But one of our, I mean, not that we have favorites, but we have favorites. Like one of our favorite people to talk to is Jason Jasperson, simply because dude has a mind like none other. And he will talk on topics you didn't even know existed. We we started this conversation last week. And as the conversation went on, we're, Drew and I were both like, yep, yep, this is a two-episoder for sure. And honestly, we could have dragged it on and talked for probably another hour or two. But, you know, we had, like, responsibilities to get back to in order to be somewhat, you know, responsible for our jobs and things of that nature. So in respect of time, we decided to keep it just to two episodes. But that means, guess what? We get to just bring it back on the podcast another time soon. And that's one of my favorite things to do, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. The way that this podcast has connected me to so many cool people that I get to count as friends now is just always astounding. And another, and yes, this is a commercial, another opportunity that I get to be surrounded by cool people and friends is at the Pashan Collaborative debut, which again is happening at The Core in Appleton on November 18th. That's a Friday night, 7 p.m. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring everybody. It should be an amazing time. Um, Can't wait to see so many of you there. Um, Mark your calendars. But with that being said, here's the rest of our conversation with Jason. There are just so many different mediums that people can express their creativity through or that people can show like a proficiency for, right? That That is a God-given gift. I mean, certainly they have to work at it and they have to develop that skill, but to a certain extent are God-given gifts, right? And if if one of those things is not what we would consider like normal or not something that we are comfortable or familiar with how it is used within the church. Like what are, what are we saying to those, those young people like that, that God gave you this gift, but we don't really want you to use it to glorify him. Like, I don't think anyone would go so far as to say it in those exact terms, but is that the, the indirect message that we are giving them? And, and what does that do to a person and their, their faith? Yeah, I think there's, there's implied messaging in the way that our programs or our systems are set up. Um, and it's, like you said, it, it's not intentional. It's just sort of emerged that way. So, you know, part of what I'm, I've been trying to do for decades is help people in our fellowship understand that gap. Having, having sort of, pass through that gauntlet myself. I've tried to figure out where's my place. How do I, how do I contribute to this group? It's nice to try to solve it. 
So, so if we examine uh, paradigms, if we get you know way down to our foundational beliefs, we are a people of the word. We are a people of the word. This has something to do with uh, just Northern Europe. This goes back 500 years. This goes back more than that. And, uh, and this is our foundation. We, we believe in the truth and purity of scripture. We train original languages. Uh, pastors will often talk about the original meaning of a word. And, and we put a lot of thought into how, how language functions. And that is good. That is good. But not everyone operates in that same way. I have occasionally I run across a student who doesn't do well in school. But when they spend a little time in an art studio, we find out they're brilliant. They function on a higher level on on manual and visual expression than their peers. And and if they didn't encounter that opportunity, they would go through their, their whole life thinking they're dummies, thinking they, they don't have anything to offer. They're not very smart, but, you know, it, some of these people can do things that others can't. And, you know, the big question is, well, what are we going to do about that? Do we... Do we care enough to to create systems that that assure these people that their vocation is valid? Yeah, it's tricky, right? Because I'm sure we have people listening that want to assure those people that their vocation is valid, but they're not in in charge of the systems, as you put it. So you you already you started by saying the the first thing that people can do, the average person can do is examine what fears or, or biases they may have without those being uh, realized or um, based on experience. But are, are there any a kind of, that that's kind of an inward looking thing that they can do. Is there anything kind of more active or working with with creatives or interacting with young people that they can do to help create those safe places and to help turn that ship slowly. I think, you know, I think it's, it starts on a personal level. It starts with relationships. And uh, if you encounter, if you encounter a person who's showing some talent in unusual areas, especially generative creative areas, you might be surprised at how how valuable a little encouragement is to that person. Just a little validation. You know, once I, I saw I saw a pin on a backpack waiting for a bus. I was waiting for a bus. And this pin on this teenager's backpack said, if the followers lead, the leaders will follow. And I've been thinking about that for twenty years. Um <laughs> You know, so that's kind of a grassroots concept that that the culture will will sort of steer the policy, I believe. So, you know, more broadly, I I think those kind of actions where where you're just kind of affirming 
talent. You're affirming a creative person on a personal level. You know, everybody has just so much influence, a sphere of influence in their life. Well, if, you know, if, if that happens often enough, it starts to become normal and, and that, that ship starts to steer a little bit. And then, uh, and then it becomes obvious that, oh yeah, we should, we should probably, why are we missing this? We should probably do something about this. I tend to think that, that things happen from the bottom up and really I'm encouraged I'm getting to be an old man, oldish, middle age, but I've been at this game long enough to to see things moving, to see the change, the very existence of the Hearts and Hands podcast, and of uh, various conferences, including Hearts and Hands. To me, looks like looks like a thaw. It looks like progress, and I think that there's there's young pastors in ministry already who have been affected by this kind of thinking, this kind of effort. And uh, there's a, there's a new expectation in our ministries. It's already happening, but it's slow. There have to be certain things that would make a space unsafe. Aside from, Aside from past perceptions, there have to be things that would make a, a place unsafe for the imaginative Christian, right? I think so, yeah. So maybe the way to phrase the question isn't what can an average person who is not in charge of an institution or something like that, what can an average person, it's not what can they do to encourage the creatives, it's <coughs> what maybe are you doing without realizing it or are people in your midst doing without realizing it that is making places unsafe for imaginative Christians? You know, right. The, like the unsafe thing is hard for me to think about, but you're right. I I do imply that when I say that this is a safe place, what do I mean? I think I've, I've gotten at it, you know, the, just the cultural assumptions there's there's something in in our fellowship and I do I do think it's deep rooted. I think it goes back a lot of generations. It could go back to iconoclasm, you know, reformation uh, raiding raiding catholic churches and knocking the heads off of sculptures and throwing throwing rocks through stained glass. That that could just have a lot of carryover in our assumptions. I once saw Don Molstead give a uh, give a talk about what happened to Lutheran churches in the 1920s. Before that time, they were they were elaborate, and after that time, they became increasingly whitewashed. And uh, and he thought it it had something to do with immigration. At that time in America, there were there was an influx of Italian and uh, Irish immigrants, and you still hear the thought that we don't want our sanctuary to look too Catholic, and we get you know we've got this allergy to to uh, fanciness, 
because it feels too Catholic. But but in doing that, we have we have veered too reformed. We veered too Puritan pretty easily with with the thinking that we don't want to be distracting. We don't want our worship space to be distracting. And ironically, you know, it it that thinking puts us in the realm of mosque. Islamic Islamic design, you know, they are also a people of the word. And sometimes all you'll see in a sanctuary is some words. Sometimes all you'll see in a mosque is some calligraphy. Puritan uh, Puritan churches, you know, were just whitewashed with benches. And the big the big question is, you know, are you being a good steward of that space? Your space can speak. Your space can uh, can amplify your message. And I think a lot of us are um, in our fear of being too Catholic. We're we're scared of of stepping out and doing anything. And so we just we just let it be. And I think we have we have an addiction to utility. The bottom line, sort of sort of uh, business thinking, enters our our. Liturgical decisions, and that feels like I strayed from the question quite a ways. Like when you said a space can speak, I was like, "Well, yeah, it can," because I don't know about you, but I've been to the top of Mount Rainier, and that's a space that can speak. I've been standing in front of Cinderella's castle at Walt Disney World, and that's a space that can speak. Mm-hmm. And I've been in one of the most beautiful churches in Germany when I was 12 years old. And I still think about it. Yeah. You know, there's a concept that that really struck me. I struggle to find this quote. I don't know where it is. Um, But a a famous Scandinavian artist named Carl Larson from mid to late 1800s, he said something to the effect of, genius is directly related to a higher level of generosity. And, uh, you know, consider that church that you saw, Tim, those were, those were generous souls that gave so much, you know, let, let, let go of the idea of how expensive it is and just think of their energy, their effort, how much they cared to to apply what they've learned, their craftsmanship, and how many generations that generosity has spanned. The idea of the bottom line is a trap because we we end up making things that people might like for half a generation or less, but because it, it's been cheaply made, it doesn't age well. And, and before long, nobody wants it. And you end up with this shell that, that you invested little in and you got little out of. Utility is, is sabotaging us. 
you know, think about the this the standard Wells Sanctuary from 1960, whatever. You know that space. That was franchise thinking. That was McDonald's thinking. The idea was that you know you you'll you'll feel at home anywhere because it, it'll look familiar. It'll look like home, and you know it, it created adequate homes for congregations for for a generation. And I don't know what else to do. I don't know. You know, we didn't have the craftsmen in our fellowship to make cathedrals. But that's what I'm working on. I'm trying to trying to generate a generation of talent that uh, that will give us new options. Spaces do speak, whether we want them to or not. They always communicate. It's like you know what you wear says something, whether you're intending to or not. It just does. Body language speaks, whether you intend to or not, and our and our spaces broadcast our mindset. Meanwhile, we're hemorrhaging membership. What have we been unintentionally saying? Well, we could probably spend another two episodes worth of time talking just about spaces and what they say. And and maybe what we can talk about in the future sometime is using the spaces that we have because that is a resource that we have. It's good to use our resources wisely. How can we adapt them or how can we move forward in a way that speaks differently, that that our spaces, we can take them and make something new out of them um, that speaks something, a new message or a different message. But for now, I wanna be uh, mindful of both of your time. so. Thank you, Jason, so much for taking the time to talk to us. I always just have so much fun talking to you. Do you have any any final closing or parting thoughts you want to share about anything that we've talked about today, or have we pretty much covered everything you've got so far? Well, I hope I hope I don't sound bitter. You know, I I do think one of the things that that uh, artists can bring to the table is abundance just a worldview of of uh the possibility that things can be done like drew you just mentioned that our our spaces you know can can be used in new ways yeah creative people can uh can bring ideas that that might surprise you and and it's not necessarily about scarcity it's not about what's missing it's about what's possible so i'm, I'm very hopeful on top of Drew's thanks, I would also just like to thank you for making me think differently. It's fun. I remember sitting next to you at a Hearts and Hands conference, a workshop a few years ago, and I said, I have no idea how your brain works, but I appreciate it. <laughs> and you said the same to me, which uh, took me a little by surprise. But Yeah, music, music is sorcery to me. <laughs> it just it doesn't it doesn't function in my world so that's the body of christ absolutely all right well thank you again for taking the time i'm sure we will talk to you again sometime very soon 
um, because we enjoy it so much. But just thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me, guys. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have people you want to hear from, questions you want answers to, or you just want to talk about the cool new thing you are working on, we would love to hear from you. So please reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. We appreciate all the support we've received through there. Some people have been actively checking out our behind-the-scenes videos. They get to see all the uncut uh just unedited videos from our conversations with our guests. And sometimes those are pretty fun. And every once in a while, I throw in a little something extra just for our patrons. So uh, be sure to check that out if you haven't already. We appreciate the support. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.